This meeting is being recorded. <laughs> okay, we are back. Uh, long hiatus, and um, we're back with Chris Post, who um, has, it's been a few episodes. We, we've, uh, Ilias and I have kind of gone off into different subjects, but um, there was recently an article um, in September uh, released for NBC.com, and uh, it, it goes over a ruling by John Liu from Middlesex County uh, regarding the Dukey, the Dukin case in the uh, in the Hinton Lab. So, uh, guys, um, yeah, th this is some pretty like it's funny that a ten year old case is still getting traction like this, right? It's crazy. Um, but I mean, the article basically says that they're, they're now officially questioning uh, whether Dukin was the lone bad actor, and they're finding evidence of other chemists doing um nefarious things in the lab and that is something that we have touched upon repeatedly on this podcast so uh guys you want to go over some of this stuff i mean i don't want to just kind of sit here and read the article but we could we can talk about some of the uh the things that that uh were generally alluded to right right so i i think this is more the the the, the wheels of justice um however quickly or slowly they turn catching up with uh, things that we've already covered on this podcast. So there, if you, you read the article, there's not actually anything new. What's new is that the news media, um, I think, have finally recognized that there's an actual issue, right? I think um, in the past, what we've heard from different reporters, and, and Jamie, you've talked to more reporters than I have, but they'll say stuff like, oh, this is old news. Oh, Annie Duncan, that's old news. Every, you know, Stop flogging a dead horse. Yep. Um, we've covered that. We've covered that. And then I ask, when, show me the article that you've covered that in. And it's like, click. <laughs> right. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's Schrodinger's cat, right? It's Schrodinger's yep. news. It's a, it's a news piece that's both simultaneously new and old at the same time and therefore uninteresting uh, to, to a media outlet. But so the, I, I guess the breaking news is that at least two reporters recognize that the conclusion that was probably written before the rest of the OIG report that Annie Dukin was the sole bad actor uh, is questionable. <laughs> to say the, the least. media finally recognizes that that conclusion, the pre-printed conclusion that fits in a fortune cookie uh, might be too pat and may not be correct. Well, and it was, if anyone actually read that report, it was questionable the day the report came out because they said like um, Kate Corbett got fired for uh, falsifying her, you know, information, um, her her qualifications in court. She said that she like had a chemistry degree and she didn't. She had a sociology degree or something. And um, and Sonia Farrakh worked at the lab and did more samples in in many months than Dukin did. Like, so it's it's been. This is incredibly frustrating for me because I have been telling many of the people, including some of the people that have been writing about this recently, that this is the case for, for months. And, you know, you don't get any kind of um, recognition. But beyond that, it's like this should have been written about months ago because I have evidence and I've we've talked about the evidence and I've shown these people evidence of other members of that lab not just i mean every we know and this wasn't mentioned in the article 
every single chemist in that lab lied on the stand about that lab following swig drug regulations, right? To me, that that's a big, big thing. They all would go up there and like, yep, we follow swig drug, we follow swig drug, and like they all knew they didn't follow swig drug. Chris, you fall, you had you had that thing that was marked up that email, like, oh yeah, we don't follow this, we don't follow this from the Hinton lab, right? Remember that? I do indeed. And by the way, it's nice to be back. Um, it's good to see you guys, and uh, glad to be getting back involved with this stuff. Just for the listeners, um, I had to take a. A break from the law. My dad has Parkinson's. My mom had a scare with uh, potential pancreatic cancer. I had my own health issues, so I'm no longer directly involved with these cases. But when I saw this news article pop up, a few different things uh, caught my eye. So the NBC article uh, that we initially uh, began talking about before uh, recording. Um, by Maggie and uh, John Shoup on NBC. Uh, you know, what caught my eye in particular was it said in June 2015, the Inspector General's Office referred one matter to the Attorney General's Office for possible prosecution, quote, based on test results from an independent out of state laboratory, which were inconsistent with the Hinton drug lab results, suggesting that criminal acts may have been committed by another person at the Hinton lab, end quote, Blue wrote. Um, so that's huge. So the, um, the original report on the Hinton lab uh, came out on 20, in 2014, saying there are no bad actors. After that, they uh, determined that they would send a number of different samples to an independent lab for additional testing because they came up with all sorts of different inconsistencies. And in 2016, they published another report saying, wow, we found a bunch of these things were not actually drugs in the first place. However, they didn't change their initial position that uh, Dukin was the sole bad actor. And uh, it seems like uh, since I've been gone from these cases, it may have been disclosed that um, someone was in fact uh, referred for prosecution under the OIG's enabling statute. So if you guys recall, we, we talked about this several episodes ago, but they are required by law to refer a case either to the state attorney general's office if there's a state crime or uh, to the um, state department, or I'm sorry, the, the, um, the, the like Rachel Rollins's office. Um, the U.S. attorney? Yeah, the U.S. attorney's office if there is uh, a breach of uh, federal law. And so um, it looks like, based upon what the judge wrote and is quoted in this article, that they did find something. And it was, in fact, referred. Well, well, we, if, if I mean, you'd have to go way back to um, a, an episode uh, long past. Um, but uh, we covered this, that in the OIG first report, they concluded that um, Annie Dukin is the sole bad actor, and they used as the MacGuffin for why she was even investigated was a suspicions of her, her and her alone high testing rate, and b one inconsistent result. As far as I can remember, it was one inconsistent result with one case, and and that got the investigation going. They found six, I think, or 
maybe that she was charged with six. That was in 2014. So it seems like the uh, the flow chart is if high test results and some inconsistencies, you know, equals investigate. Well, in 2016, as as Chris mentioned, there was a supplemental OIG report. That's the one that we talked about where they forgot that you can use people's names. Because if you did use the chemist's names, the reader would realize instantly that Annie Dukin was not the problem by herself because it right. was, it said a chemist did it and then another chemist. It was sort of like when you wrote, wrote book reports and you didn't want the teacher to know that you didn't read the book carefully. So you were just like, and then one man said to another man, <laughs> you know. Um, not that I would never To be or not to be. And so it was like, um, you know, uh, uh, whoever wrote that realized we got a big problem if we use their names. So they, they they took out the names. If you put the names back in, you realize that Annie Dukin was not always involved. And, and, and when she was involved, she was not always the primary chemist. Um, then I think we covered separately, possibly with Jim McKenna, that there were other chemists that had higher or equal testing rates at various point in time, including Sonia Farak, outpacing Annie Dukin at the very same lab right before she was transferred um, into the drug oasis uh, out west. And so uh, what this means is that the cover-up by OIG was really more of like a stall tactic because this stuff was going to come out. If things were referred for prosecution, it's going to come out. But it was important that the first report came out in 2014 and that let everybody take a victory lap. OIG, Martha Coakley, we nailed this thing. You know, people are in jail. We're tough on crime. And then in 2016, it's like, yeah, there was some, you know, some issues and we're not going to use names, but, you know, here's what happened. And, and they released and, and, it like in February with zero fanfare. They had like a one-off. There was no press conference. There was yeah. like nothing really drawing attention to it. There was a section about BZP. That wasn't illegal, but people were <laughs> prosecuted. And 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 to and serve prison time. Don't worry, your pretty little heads about that, dear reader. And so that was hopefully the end of it. And if any further prosecutions happen, these would be footnotes. And I think what's frustrating is prior to this NBC News article, um, and I, I just to you give attribution because I, I I'm not faulting the, the the authors, but Maggie Mulhill and John Shoup, um, You know, this stuff was out there before. I mean, anybody could have listened to our podcast and written the same, pretty much the same article with a few, you know, minus a few uh, breaking developments, which uh, there are some additional things we can get. Well, ju but judge, there's well, not judge that much recognizing new. it for the first time is is somewhat different, right? Yes, so, that, that no, is that's tr that's true. But the allegations and the methodology by which we pr we produced. Um, allegations that rise to the level of probable cause, those have been out there kicking around. So if you had probable cause to go after Andy Dukin, you had probable cause to go after all of them in the lab. Um, and, I, and I think that, you know, we covered other things like the in-house um, uh, manufacturing or commingling of, of standards um, and, you know, the BZP stuff. It wasn't just BZP. It was a bunch of other um, uh, non-scheduled drugs. And and all of this stuff has just fallen in the middle of the woods uh, with barely a thud. And the media have not really f focused. And I think now that there's a judge who's ruled 
There are cases that are still pending thanks to uh, lawyers that uh, like you, like Jim McKenna, like um, Luke Ryan that have not let go, right? Have just not yeah. let go. I think and Maggie the hope has not let go either. Maggie is Ma Maggie will see this to the end. I know that. Um, I have spoken with her, and uh, she knows. She, I, everything you just uh, said, Ilias. I told her personally way before this article was written. She knows, and, and I know she listens to this podcast. So she will. She knows the deal, and I, I believe that she will see this to the end and keep reporting on it. So it's going to take reporters like that. I thought Andrea Estes from the Globe was like that too, but I, the Globe just doesn't seem to have any interest in this case whatsoever. I think there's a personal friendship there with Chuna or some law enforcement officials at the Globe, and it just like they, they do not want to touch this case at all. That's a speculation of mine. I don't know that for a fact, but something weird is happening with the Globe. Well, you know, but, there's okay. not to go into that rabbit hole, but you know, the, um, you know, uh, uh, I, I think on a simplistic level, the media relies, especially outfits like the Globe, New York Times, the TV um, networks, they rely on government sources, unnamed sources for their, their information. Right. And the minute you start putting a uh, hurt on uh, uh, these same uh, sort of, um, you know, the officials from the same pool, uh, you're going to see your sources dry up. Right. And, and I think that that's that we're never going to get past that problem. So forget all the other theories or explanations for media capture, mm -hmm. um, you know, and and uh, and and forget any uh, intentional concealment, uh, which also happens. But but you have this like uh, dis strong disincentive to start pulling at threads. Um, and, and it is nice to see an article like this one uh, come along. Uh, but it, it's, you know, as you said, Jamie, it's not because people weren't listening to you, right? I mean, you, you know, uh, you, th this story was, could have been dictated years ago. Right. And it's, it's maddening and it's very weird. And our listeners that, that, you know, thank God for them. There are listeners who there, who are, there's a decent amount of you out there and it's international. Isn't it weird to know all of this crap and then to see articles like this and like to pretend it's breaking news or to like see these rulings. And it's like, yeah, no, duh. I've known that for years. Isn't that like, it's such a weird feeling to, to have the media attribute things to breaking news that you've known for years. That that's very strange to me. It's a new feeling. I've, I haven't seen behind been behind the curtain and actually investigated something like this, but I'm sure there's dozens of other people or hundreds, thousands of other people in the country that have investigated stories that the media hasn't covered and have the same kind of phenomena happen where they ha the media half reports it or doesn't report it. And you're like, well, no, that's actually not true. I've looked at that and you know, it's, it's false. It's just a very strange feeling. And I guess you two as lawyers see that all the time, right? Kind of behind I the mean, scenes. The article again, um, I'm just quoting here um, as an example, says the ruling says that it quote, has become evident that the OIG made and or considered several criminal referrals to the attorney general for other persons at the Hinton drug lab, end quote. And, you know, that became pretty clear after over a year ago when uh, the ACLU and MACDL moved to get uh, 
the discovery from the Sutton case. Remember, we, we poured through that discovery. We found that internal OIG memo when they were, uh, it looked pretty obvious that they were considering whether or not administrators at the lab could be federally charged um, for lying in order to get grant funding. Right. right. And, you know, so, I mean, it's not a huge news flash, and it is, you know, it's, it upsets me that it took so long to get us here. And again, you know, I don't have a copy of this order. It's now in, impounded. But, uh, you know, we knew back then there were facts and evidence that suggested that the OIG had information that tended to suggest that people were committing crimes at the lab, and that was Brady material. Yep. And, and the, the word crime, it's so strange because, um, like, they were these chemists. If you look at the emails between the chemists and the prosecutors, right, the prosecutors are the ones who are, you know, charging people with crimes, etc., and the chemists were literally saying, I mean, I remember the Mike, remember that Michael Lawler email where he's like, I'm not showing up to court if you take if if you're gonna accept a plea deal from this asshole. I mean, he didn't say asshole, but he's like, I'm not showing up to court if you're just gonna accept the plea deal for this guy. If I show up to court, you're taking him to trial and you're throwing the book at him if he makes me show up to court. Remember that email? It's yeah. like it, it to me, that right there. That's the mentality like that. Annie Dukin had the same mentality. Um, Sonia Farrakh had the same mentality. Uh, all of the chemists at that or many of I, I won't say all because I don't want them to sue me. But many of the chemists there that I have seen the emails for had the mentality that, you know, the the defendants were the enemy. They they were to be sent to jail and they were the one the righteous, you know, people that were working for the state to take bad people off the street. Annie Dukin said that multiple times. And that statement right there flies in the face and no one talks about this. The OIG said that not only, like everyone's like, you know, lone bad actor, lone bad actor, they focus on that ruling from the OIG. The OIG also said that Annie, they couldn't figure out what Annie Dukin's motive was, but it was definitely not to help prosecutors win cases. And not only was that Annie Dukin's motive, that was everyone in the lab's motive. Their process, their positive rate in that lab was 96%, according to the OIG, 96%. And the OIG lays that out there as a reason why Dukin wasn't rigging evidence to help uh, the police, because they're like, oh, well, she had a consistent rate with everyone else in the lab, so she couldn't have possibly helping prosecutors. It was 96% positive. Right. That's like saying that Mark McGuire wasn't taking steroids because Brady Anderson was also hitting uh, 50 home runs a season. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. So and Sammy Sosa. In terms of uh, sort of the lawyerly reaction, I, I was going to get to something in a second, you know, my take. Uh, but I would say on your point, Jamie, there's a cultural problem. And we saw this with the Chris Foster, uh, Ann Kazmarek, John Werner um, matter, which we, we may touch on if we have time. Um, but, but I think it just came, uh, uh, it reared its head again in the news when uh, President Biden announced that there was gonna be some effort to, um, I don't wanna say decriminalize, cause that's not, doesn't seem to be what it is, but 
to pardon people who were have sole, solely marijuana related convictions uh, and uh, tweak the laws a little bit, you know, take baby steps uh, 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 in the right direction, given that most many a majority of states have decriminalized marijuana. And the first thing, very predictable, was uh, from the uh, you know the 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 um, law enforcement slash news media industrial complex was <laughs> Biden is unleashing a crime wave on society. <laughs> That's the news story. So people who got arrested for having a joint that we're going to somehow unleash a crime wave because of these people. We're not talking about people who also had gun convictions. You know who had uh, 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 um, their trunk of their car loaded with cocaine. We're talking about people who just had marijuana convictions. Why they ended up in the federal system is sort of interesting, um, but that's but that's the predictable response. So there's this cultural issue, which right. we're really butting heads with here. But that's what know, it is. Dude. On the the lawyerly issue, Chris mentioned the part that really frustrates me, and as a lawyer, I understand it and I also hate it at the same time. Which is that the even the ruling from the judge is not a, is not public. So if I were trying right. to explain to somebody what's going on here, the closest thing I could come up with is maybe what happened with Trump and Mar-a-Lago and his the, the documents. I, I shouldn't say his the documents that he was hoarding that were probably uh, and most certainly were not his may have been classified. It may have been a crime. It may have violated all kinds of statutes for hoarding them, um, but. Look at how slowly that process of identifying the documents, who gets to look at them, yeah. and, and, and how that process is playing out. But as much as we may disagree with the rulings, the rulings are public. They're public instantaneously. You can read it. You can pass it around. You can mock it or agree with it. But it's there. This ruling by Judge Liu, I can't look at it. Why can't I look at it? Because there's a protective order that I also can't look at. And I understand that there's some in, interests there. Uh, uh, certainly criminal defendants have certain rights and I'm not trying to take away those rights, but we have a situation that is almost impossible to unpack in anything close to real time. And it's taking such a long, it's a slow moving process and it's, I'm not faulting the lawyers. I think they're doing great work. I'm not faulting the judges. I think the judges are trying to be careful uh, within the confines of the law but the legal system has a major problem in cases like this of fixing itself when it screws something up. I mean, when you screw something up, I feel like a different set of rules should apply, right? We don't just uh, take the, 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 the meat that comes out of the grinder and just say, well, just stick it back in and hope it comes out better the next time. I mean, you screwed something up, you need a different process to, to unwind it. That's my lawyerly reaction. Right. Yeah. And, and I was by the way, say, guys, oh, go sorry. ahead, Chris. You know, go ahead. Yeah, um, aside from the cases mentioned in the article, um, the wheels of justice are slowly turning in other individuals' cases in other counties. So one case that I worked on uh, in Suffolk, uh, that motion for a new trial was allowed and the case was dismissed. Uh, so that was a Sonia Farah case. So it was good to see that eventually happen. But, uh, you know, it's it's frustrating that uh, it's been piecemeal so far. Right. And guys, the state police, when is that, la like, they were also 
um, it, not mentioned in this article, not mentioned anywhere. The state police were also locking people in jail for drugs that were not illegal. Right. They were doing that as well. That is fact, according to the attorney general's office. Fact. If you believe the attorney general, which I, in this case, I absolutely do, because they had no reason to lie. And they were just matter of factly saying John Verner, who we'll get to later, said, you know, like right after the, the OIG contacted them because they found all of these cases that were BZP that we've talked about in a previous episode, the state police were doing that. So that's the other shoe that's going to fall 20 years from now. Oh yeah, the state police were also locking people in jail for drugs that were not illegal in Massachusetts. Right. I, I, you know, 10 years ago, would I, would I have believed the state police lab was doing some of the same things as Hinton? I probably would have said no, but a few overtime um, uh, cheating scandals later, and now you're, you know, it's, it's, it's easier to, to conceive. And we've seen the emails where in fact it's admitted. Um, and, and, and I think that, you know, you're getting now to uh, the, the very um, foundation of the system. Right. And if you really start attacking the foundation, you know, I think there's a lot of concern of what's going to be left. Right. It, it, you know, it's one thing for Hinton people who many of them, uh, if, if, you know, the, even when they re truthfully reported their education, um, they don't have any law enforcement background. Right. Uh, and and so it's OK for them, perhaps not to know what's scheduled and what isn't. Um, although I've tried to look at the mass uh, 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 statute on what's scheduled and if you don't have a chemistry background. It doesn't go very well to try to decipher that. But um, the state police have people with both law enforcement background training and presumably chemistry training, and they have no excuse not to know what's scheduled and what isn't. Dude, and so I think that takes on a worse dimension. For sure. I'm sorry to cut you off, but th this is, to me, this is, it's it's very obvious what what this is. This guy's a piece of shit. Send him to jail, you know. And and, and they're like, okay, he he had this drug. Oh, it's not federally scheduled. Oh, fuck it, just call it Class E. That's what we use. Remember, I had that email that that gives the justification for the state police. That was there. Remember that email that was the director mm -hmm. of the state police lab. That's mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, Class E is a catch-all because it's a. Uh, I can't remember his justification. We in another episode, I'll I'll get I'll actually be prepared and get it, that it, email. It well, it, there were, it was sort of Monty Python esque, right? Where it was saying that that the Schedule E, Class E covers anything that you have a that requires a prescription, and BZP should require a prescription. <laughs> yeah. So so before you go to your local corner uh, BZP dealer and, and get uh, a, a bag for, for the weekend rave, you really should have a prescription for that. And therefore it's class E. And it's like, no, this the, the statute says that requires a prescription and you can go to your CVS and ask them if they uh, will take BZP prescriptions and they'll laugh you out. So no, it doesn't require a prescription. <laughs> I, I like that art. Like it's, it, it's a huge justification. It's like, you know, a, a long, um, I'd say like at least a page or two if you were to print it out of an explanation, right? And the, the guy that was, the guy that sent it was in the state police and the guy that received it was the director of the state police, head of the state police crime lab. 
And then as a he, that, that guy, the director forwarded the explanation. He's like, I don't buy this. <laughs> Literally said, I don't buy it. And they were doing it in the lab. So like that just shows how dis how dysfunctional it is. And then yeah. I it, this goes beyond like you know that these chemists like I always use this example. If if a DA comes up to you, Ilias, and you're a chemist, and they're like, "Hey, Ilias, this guy got you know just shot a cop, and he by the way he also had." Um, X amount of drugs. We can't get him for shooting the cop for whatever reason. We want to. He's a dangerous guy, and we want to send him away because he had these drugs. But you know, like, um, but it turns out the drugs were a chopped up cashew. Like, what are you gonna do if you if the test comes back negative as a chemist? What are you gonna say that I'm letting this guy who took a shot at a cop or shot a cop? back on the street because the drugs weren't what uh they they were supposed to be right like the, yeah. the da's tell they taint the chemists that's what the real problem is they tell the chemists what the chart what these guys are being charged with so then that puts tremendous pressure on all the chemists to come up with the desired outcome which is a guilty of uh, which is a positive result right well, I, I would answer the question by asking with a question, which is, am I a real chemist? <laughs> because I, I think real chemists, the, real chemists, the question answers itself. Right. You know, I saw on the news uh, today, uh, at least a headline, that there was a large study that that could not find uh, a life-saving benefit to colonoscopies. Now, I haven't read the study. I'm not going to say that, the, that that's a, 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 a new piece of scientific evidence or not. Um, but I imagine that the scientists who worked on that study probably didn't want to see that outcome, right? right? They, they, I think your hope as a human being is the things we do work, um, yep. and there's a there it's, there's a benefit if 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 these guys are scumbags that you assume that the results will come back positive for you know whatever the machine says it is, right? You don't right. you shouldn't have a vested interest. Um, and, you know, we famously prosecuted and convicted Al Capone on tax evasion, not on being uh, an out and out criminal. But that doesn't mean that you fabricate tax evasion charges to get Al Capone. Right. So if you're going to get the guy on the thing that, that he did that's bad, get him on that thing. Don't right. fabricate something that's sort of secondary or tertiary. So I guess I would say if I'm a real chemist, I would not lose a minute of sleep if in your analogy, I came back and tested the thing and it was negative. Cause I was like, all right, I guess we'll get, we'll have to get this guy on tax evasion then. Right. Right. Cause we don't have drugs and we don't have the murder. So what else, what's left? Right. Right. Well, um, if we could more broadly on the state police for a second, right. Not just the crime lab. Yeah. When you, when you mentioned them, I was like, gosh, didn't that just come up in the news again last week? So just looking real quick, Former Mass State Police Lieutenant pleads guilty in Troop E overtime abuse case, and then uh, goes on forced to pay $20,000 back after pleading guilty. And then further down the news articles, he gets probation for it, right? Like how crazy is it? Stealing $20,000 and committing fraud. Uh, and you just get that type of slap on the wrist. It just, it blows my mind. And dude, you know that the $20,000 is not 
everything that was stolen. Like th that's, right. I mean, obviously it's not in there and you have to go by what they say, but whatever is reported, multiply it by X because it, like the overtime thing is ridiculous. If you look at their overtime budget and what they spend, it is ridiculous. And the, the amount of people that got the slap on the wrist for it, um, it pales in comparison to what was really going on there. And, you know, I, I, I will, I'm sure, I'm sure someday get around to submitting some FOIAs for that and seeing what we can see is under the hood of that mass theft and fraud against these, the, the people of the state. But again, we don't care. Like the, the cops, like as people in this state, the police can do anything, anything, and we don't care. Like there, there was, remember that um, we, we basically shut down the state when a, when a trooper was hit and killed on the side of the road. Remember that woman? I can't remember her name, but it was a tragedy. And they paraded her through the, through the street like a martyr. And um, they shut down a lot of Boston to have this public funeral with all of these cops probably being paid overtime to stand there and salute her, right? Great. Um, this a state police officer killed a pedestrian doing the same thing, <laughs> and like nothing happened. Like it, it's it's amazing. They get one treat. The police get one treatment. We treat. I guess my overall point is we treat them like go infallible gods. But when they do the same exact thing, we make excuse after excuse to justify their behavior. It is a very unhealthy relationship that we have with law enforcement in this country. We worship right. them. And, and, and the, the part that uh, kind of gets me, and, and I don't, this is sort of getting off topic, but the, that people might've missed that, what you're referring to, uh, this was uh, this past week, Jamie, yeah. um, was because the headlines say ex uh, state trooper, um, uh, you know, I, I forget if it was a guilty plea or uh, a, a conviction, but um, uh, uh, in any event, you see ex state trooper and you think like, well, like, what's that? Well, he's an ex-state trooper now, right? Well, like after he got fired. But at the time, I mean, you would never say like ex-pilot, you know, found guilty for crashing plane. You would say the pilot was guilty, right? That's the person right. who was there. Um, and so somehow everyone in the, when, when there's police misconduct, the, the word ex quickly shields all parties uh, from, uh, from further scrutiny um, right. or taint. Uh, and I think that's what goes on here. So yes, they there was a, a, a you know a big deal when an officer dies in the line of duty, but when an officer uh, you know maybe off duty or on duty uh, does something wrong, that person is quickly you know uh, an ex uh, a police officer, and then it, it it sort of maintains the reputation. Right. It, what really it, this is sort of off point, but like it just. I don't get, they get paid so much money anyway, the Mass State Police. Why would you go around just stealing 20 grand here, 20 grand there, right? I mean, it just- well, That's, what, it, that's it, why I say it's tip of the iceberg. Cause I don't think it was just 20 grand. I think it was probably a lot more than that. And- well, I, oh, yeah, go ahead. I would ask, uh, you know, any listener uh, who uh, lives in Massachusetts, go to your computer and find one of the various databases that lists the town or city that you live in, the salaries of the of, uh, government employees in that town. And I guarantee you that the top 10 
are probably more than half uh, police officers. Right. Uh, and that made is made possible by overtime. So, it, you know, it wouldn't make sense to me budgetarily if you had um, 10 police officers in your town and you spent, you know, almost 50 uh, percent of what you spent on salaries to give those 10 officers overtime. I would say, you know, idea. What if we hired a few more officers and just paid them regular time? Um, why are we paying, you know, uh, apparently an inadequate number, a lot of overtime? Right. Uh, and yeah. I think the, the answer is because the people who get the overtime make a lot of money. Um, exactly. And, uh, and so that's that's a cash cow that can't be uh, ruined. Uh, and I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop, which is all the other police jurisdictions that are going to, I think, be found doing similar things to the state police, because I can't believe that the state police and only the state police conceived of this idea that you can just say you did a shift. And there's really no way that that will ever be proven false, right? There's not a lot of people going around at two in the morning to see if everyone's where they're supposed to be by the side of the road. All right. So we, we went on a tangent there, but that's, you know, and we might cover that in an additional episode, but this one we, we want to cover this article on the ruling by uh, Judge Liu. And so... Uh, getting back to that article, it says the ruling says that it has become evident that the OIG made and or considered several criminal referrals to the attorney general for other persons at the Hinton lab, at the Hinton drug lab. So is that the is that the OIG throwing the attorney general's office under the bus? Do you know what I'm referring to? I'm just kind of throwing that out there. Yeah, I see that in the article again. I haven't been involved in these cases since I had to leave for medical reasons. So I don't know. I haven't seen the order. Uh, but I mentioned before, we got all the information from the Sutton case suggesting that uh, Julian Nasif was being, or Nasif was being considered uh, for violating federal law. And then it looks like, based on the article, that in 2015, based on the retest, it looked like uh, it's a just that a chemist probably uh, committed a criminal act. So right. I would absolutely love to see both the order and the underlying evidence. Um, but it, it, there are issues that have been bothering me for a long time. I think, as I just said, uh, Julianne Nassif. And as we said before, that one sample where they talked about, uh, it looks like a chemist acting nefariously and helping the sample along by spiking it. You remember that email? Yeah, mm -hmm. the Sasha Hayes yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just, it, I, I do not know, but it would not surprise me if uh, those two things might be what are what are being referred to. But you know, again, I, I do not know for certain. Right, and, and we've and we've been over this a million times, Farak, or excuse me, uh, Dukin admitted to changing negatives to positives. That, and as Ilias has stated very clearly and effectively, if you're, if the stated goal is Dukin just wanted to get shit done, which is, you know, what the, the media floated out as her motive for doing what she did. She just wanted to get a lot of work done and look good, right? Which is true to an extent. Um, but if, if she just wanted to do that, why would she take time to turn a negative into a positive? That makes no sense. 
And other chemists were, were doing that at the, at least one other chemist was doing that at the lab. And I guarantee more chemists were doing that at the lab. And like what, again, what has not come out is there is a chemist that sat in Annie Dukin's seat that according to another chemist who was interviewed by the state police used to hold up a piece of paper at her bench so other chemists couldn't see what she was doing. And she tested Annie Dukin level tests, like the amount of tests Annie Dukin was doing, this chemist was doing similar numbers all throughout the 90s. This has been, this has been going on for 30 years. And right. and by the way, that chemist, you know, I think may have trained Dukin or talked to her. That, that, that has not been confirmed, but she sat in her seat and Dukin adopted her methodology. And I think to, to, to try to put a, a, a finer point, Jamie, on what you, what you uh, summarize very well, is that the, the methodology by which the OIG identified those several thousand samples that were then sent to an outside lab, I believe that was NMS, although it's possible it's a, there's another lab involved, uh, was it, they found, uh, identified samples that had been tested more than once. And so if Annie Dukin was just merely rushing and, you know, we've all had to fill out like a hundred forms and you just sort of like can draw a line down and, you know, you, tr you try to find shortcuts to doing the paperwork. So if she submitted a hundred test results and one of them gets quote returned to her by a, a secondary chemist who says, Hey, I ran it through the machine and it came back negative for cocaine. The fastest thing to do at that moment, if you're rushing is to say, great find, where do I sign? Right, not cocaine. Where do I sign? But to re quote unquote test the uh, the sample and re-prepare an aliquot and rerun it through the machine and do all this and now miraculously it's a different result. That's like a lot of extra work for someone who's rushing. So to me, the 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 pat line that we were just rushing doesn't make sense when you actually run it through the GCMS and it comes back negative. You're like, well, gee, the system worked, right? Right. I dry labbed it, but the secondary caught my mistake and, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, score one for technology and then you move on. But to do all this extra work and again, the extra work was not only Annie Dukin. It was not even, I think, heavily or even disproportionately Annie Dukin. It was uh, uh, the whole milieu of chemists all doing the same thing with the same group of supervisors, probably aware of it. In fact, definitely aware of it because some of them were brought in to referee the results on some of these confusing samples. So right. I think that that's the issue. Uh, there was a culture of, of get, not of rushing. Uh, it was of getting as many convictions as possible, which looks a lot like rushing, but is actually different. Right. They would rush, but if something, yeah, and you, you stated it exactly. And dude, that's the other thing. They would never retest anything that came back positive, ever. If there was some kind of question, if it was slightly wonky, whatever, anything that they would only retest stuff that was negative, right? Well, I mean, I, I think so, but they're, they, um, you know, what, what's interesting here is that there's apparently a lot of records that are um, in play, meaning uh, this ruling by Judge Liu references um, uh, 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 case-related documents that are that are not released. 
And, and, and so, and those are uh, uh, covered by a protective order. And so there's apparently a lot of information that I don't know who has seen, um, or, and certainly I don't think anyone can talk about them. So our understanding of what has happened is based on documents that are not even the ones that are that we're talking about here. So there's a whole new yeah, set of documents that I think talking about stuff that came out in public records requests over the past bunch of years. You know, it's nothing specific. Yeah, we have no idea what these documents are that uh, you know uh, caused well, him to issue the order. I would imagine that if there if they were the same documents that had been made public, that they wouldn't be subject but i guess you don't know it's speculation but it seems like there's underlying case records that we don't uh we don't have um, right so um anyway so the in the article it says in june 2015 the inspector general's office referred one matter to the attorney general's office for possible prosecution based on test results from an independent out-of-state lab uh, which were inconsistent with the Hinton drug lab results, suggesting that criminal acts may have been committed by another person at the Hinton lab. That's what, according to the judge. Also, there were other instances where other persons at the lab knew or should have known that certain substances were not considered controlled substances under Massachusetts law, but caused certificates of analysis to be issued uh, stating that the substances were illegal, resulting in defendants being wrongly convicted. That's the class E stuff that we've been over. But again, not just the Hinton lab, Amherst lab also did that. And the state police did that as well. So when are we getting that? When is that revelation coming down guys? Another 10 years? Lou did not disclose the identities of those people in his ruling. Boy, these chemists must be shitting their pants right now. Like imagine being uh, the chemists that work there like Michael Lawler and all these guys who are like retired or semi-retired and just waiting for, for these. I mean, some of these chemists still work for the state. Betsy O'Brien, all a lot of these people still work for the state. Lou did not disclose the identities of those people involved in the ruling. And numerous records remain under seal as we've talked about. Lou's order barred all parties to the cases uh, from shared details of the newly unredacted state investigation documents. <sighs> and by the way, do you guys know how much the, it says here, this is great that Maggie writes this, 6 million bucks the OIG spent investigating this shit. $6 million. That to me is a, like, Think of mass and cast, like all the homeless people, all the housing issues that we have to, 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 and that we somehow don't have any money for, but we have 6 million bucks for these guys to run a, to investigate something and come up with a phony baloney result. It is a incredible insult. There should be outrage, absolute outrage. You know, if it's Bill, if it's Bill Belichick making the wrong call on who should be the starting quarterback for the Pats there would be riots in the street. But, you know, if it's the OIG blowing $6 million to have to come up with a phony investigation to cover uh, their asses, no big deal. No one cares. It's amazing to me. I'll, ne I'll never understand why, what motivates us as, as a society. It seems like they did an investigation, but didn't release 
the most essential evidence that they found, right? Right. Like, right. So, so it like it's it's sort of incredible that they did find a, It seems like they found a specific instance of tampering by a a chemist. Other than it seems like other than Dukin, it, it you know. Well, well, this exposes a flaw. I think of, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a very um, a big believer in having uh, independent uh, investigators. Uh, I think Massachusetts statute on for the OIG um, is um, on a state basis probably above average. I'm not sure, um, and the federal government has a very um, I think robust system of having independent investigators brought in. So I, I think that's great. Um, but the, so I don't, I'm not complaining about the money uh, that was spent. I think that's well spent. But the problem is that every draft of the OIG report and the, the, that fabulous database that the OIG constructed uh, and the underlying documents, none of those were just instantly made available. And I think that's the problem. The OIG becomes like a black hole in and of itself. And right. I get that you want to have like uh, some autonomy and uh, to the investigation. I get that. But in a case like this, the OIG served a purpose and it wasn't to reveal, right? It, uh, uh, you know, it was something else. Um, and it was to push out a pat narrative uh, and then box up everything else that 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 was inconsistent and 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 uh, uh, slightly complicated and and we're now uh, approaching the 10th anniversary of when the Annie Dukin news broke right uh, or actually we probably it. just passed, passed it. it yeah so you know it's been 10 years since that news broke and it's been eight years since the OIG's first report came out and six years since the second report uh, you know why are we still pulling teeth uh, I just don't mm -hmm. Uh, get that, but I think part of the problem is the OIG's uh, the language around the 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 um, the statute and how everything that the OIG collects is sort of presumptively off limits. I think that might be worth reinvestigation or reexamination. I mean, there's a strong public policy interest in keeping things confidential when you're dealing with potential witnesses and sources, but it's an entirely different matter when you publish a report about it, right? It goes on and on, you, you know, dozens of pages. And I forget, maybe even over a hundred I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. It's over a hundred. Yeah. And all of the chemists are named, you know, they're not protecting a confidential source if they have a case that they discovered through independent forensic lab testing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it the, public policy interest is not served by keeping that information under wraps, right? In the same way, if, if they had some, some totally different case, the OIG might investigate, let's say, I don't know, government building had shoddy construction and they do something to investigate that after disaster and a whistleblower comes forward, doesn't want to be named. Okay, it makes sense that there's some protection under the statute there, but this is entirely different ball game where all the players have already been named in a report that's public and they're really just talking about data you know right yeah they're looking at an evidence sample and scientific test results and and chris i don't defend um people accused of crimes 
Um, and I'm, but I'm sensitive to the fact that on occasion, you know, there's the, we have the Corey statute, and you know, some aspects of our, of, of everyone's criminal uh, record uh, are entitled to some sort of privacy or confidentiality. But of course, here uh, the people have already been convicted of a crime by and large, um, and every person I've talked to that was uh, uh, is trying to get relief based on Hinton and Amherst Lab. They would be the, they would sign a piece of paper if it was put in front of them saying yeah you can use my name you can use my case number uh, you know I want this stuff brought to light so I think in some ways the state has hid behind the some of the Corey protections to try to keep things under wrap um, even though if you actually went you know door to door and asked each one of these uh, uh, accused uh, parties, would you sign a piece of paper and so we can talk about your case? I think they would do it because they've already they've already spent time. They were, some of them had their uh, pictures on the front page of the Globe, you know, as 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 dangerous people that we all need to fear. Uh, yeah. And so why you know this is the most important part for them. This is the part where we get to find out if they actually should have been in prison. Um, and maybe that actually is good. That's a good piece of information. So I think it re reminds me a lot of when the Bridgman, uh, I think Bridgman two was being argued, the DAs set forth this ludicrous uh, argument that, you know, we shouldn't speculate about what the defendants would want in these cases, because it was clearly an exercise of personal autonomy uh, to not file a motion for a new trial, even though they'd never been personally notified, uh, you know, <laughs> right. and, uh, oh my the, God. that did not sit well with the justices, but just, man, oh man. Dude, that's uh, what they do. They, they do that even with, when, when I'm submitting FOIAs, they're like, oh no, it's Corey. We can't, you know, we have to, it's going to cost a fortune because we have to black out everyone's name who these DAs are talking about in their case numbers. Right. So you submit a you submit a FOIA, and they'll, they'll say, "Oh, it'll be like ten thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars," because we have to go through all these records and black out someone's name. And like that's what I got so frustrated at one point. I'm like, imagine if you guys were more concerned with the uh, actions. It was the Department of Public Health. I just didn't had it. I'm like, imagine if you guys were as concerned with your former employees robbing these people of their rights as you were of me finding out that their names were involved in these uh, cases. That did not go over well with the, with the people uh, in that, you know, that were answering my FOIA. But it, it just, it, that's what they do. And Ilias, to go back, when, when you said, you know, $6 million, you're, you're fine with that. What is Glenn Chuna, what, what's his background? Where did he used to work? before he uh, joined the OIG? Um, I know you know the answer, so. I know, well, I'm, a, I'm, I'm learning how to be a lawyer, my friend. Uh, you caught me on a, on a, a less caffeinated day. So I, I think I did know the answer, but. but the AG's uh, office, the AG's office. Oh, he worked right. for the fucking attorney general. How yeah. is that an independent investigation? How is that? You know, how is that any kind of independent investigation? He should have recused himself immediately, but he didn't, and he covered it up. And now it's coming out after, and he conveniently retires, and now the shit's hitting the fan, just like it did with Ann Kaczmarek after she left the attorney general's office. Luke Ryan was allowed to see, you know, the, the stuff he was looking at. This is a pattern. This is what they do. The other thing I note, 
from this article, right? We don't have the court order so or the underlying evidence. It says in June 2015, the Inspector General's Office referred one matter to the Attorney General's Office for pro possible prosecution. That wasn't uh, Copley's office anymore. Uh, I think. Uh, right, that might have Maura been. Maura Healy became. Maura? Uh, Dude, and, and yeah, you she how... assumed, according to Wikipedia, she assumed office January 21st, 2015. So if a referral was made in June, it would have gone to her office. And you notice how the Trumper that she's running against has not taken this at all and tried to be like, hey, she didn't, you know, charge, she didn't do anything with this case. Look at her. She's not actually helping these people. She's, you know, she's trying to cover this up. You notice how they're not calling attention to it? Because, of course, he's more pro-law enforcement than anyone. So, you know, this is where the things really are rigged, to coin a phrase, because both the Democrats and Republicans who get elected to these offices are playing on the same side of the fence. And that's why nothing ever gets changed because they both have motives to continue the nonsense. It's crazy. Um, do you guys want to go into the Kazmarek and uh, Werner and stuff? Do you have that up? Well, we, I think I, we've mentioned it a couple of times. I think it's worth maybe giving uh, at least a procedural update. I don't think there's a substantive update, but there's a, um, uh, I think there's a, uh, you know, the, the case has been presented uh, to the SJC. Is that right? Right. Um, and, and I think that's the way the, the procedurally, the, the, um, the punishment works is it has to be reviewed and signed off by the SJC. Um, and I'm unfamiliar with the process uh, and standard of review, uh, but I imagine the SJC has um, uh, substantial uh, uh, latitude to fashion or, or um, opine on what, what they think is the appropriate remedy. Um, and so I think that, that, that there will be a decision coming um, um, shortly, but uh, Jamie, do you have the original um, um, suspensions uh, at your fingertips. If, if I not. do not, I do. Okay, not. we we covered it in a, um, I think in a prior episode, and I'm sure if somebody's interested, they can go back and find it. Um, uh, but uh, let me see if I can pull it up. This was going back to the summer. Um, the, right. The, um, but Werner might get suspended for. I, I can't remember what it was, but. Uh, was it Kazmarek was going to get disbarred or something for? Uh, yeah, the, 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 I think Kazmarek got the harsher um, mm -hmm. sentence. Um, so I think uh, Foster, the recommendation was suspension for a year and a day, um, which, you know, again, I, 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 I'm not sure it's a little uncomfortable as a lawyer to argue about what is or is not a good <laughs> punishment, um, you know, and, and I think a year suspension is, 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 is certainly significant. Um, obviously there are worse suspensions that could be meted out and we can debate. Um, uh, and I'm just trying to pull up uh, Kazmarek um, uh, in a second, but. Um, yeah, I think he might also have to go through a spanking machine. Is that true? <laughs> uh, Right. So, uh, so, but it'd be interesting what the SJC does here, because I think, um, 
uh, you know, the part of what we've, and, and Jamie, you focused on sort of the prosecute, prosecutorial side of this. If you give the prosecutors a, a free pass, and that's always the fear that somehow at the last second, they're gonna get a, a, a free pass, then you really are inviting a repeat of the very sort of incident that happened here. Uh, Dude. You know, it, I think that if Foster and Kazmarek and Werner had just done their job within the rules of ethics, some of the stuff would have come out sooner. People would have been out of prison faster. Right. You know, I think it would have gathered momentum. Of course, it would have turned up the temperature in the AG's office. It would have made that a difficult uh, 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 work environment, I'm sure. Um, there would be frantic uh, 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 efforts to try to uh, get people released, uh, records shipped around in boxes to different offices. So it was easier probably to, to let's to keep concealing. I think that was the idea was if we just conceal, if we just lie a little bit here and there, bend the rules a little bit. Um, and that's why I'm not sure that Foster should have been given um, uh, a total free pass, that that's a little bit Nuremberg-y to me to say, I, if I was following orders, which I have absolutely no doubt she was, I don't think she woke <laughs> up that morning and said, you know what oh, I'm gonna yeah. do, my, one of my first court appearances is I'm gonna mislead a judge. Um, <laughs> But I mean, talk I think about she had to know she had to know what she's doing. And and um, and I would just say, I think most lawyers instinctively would not get within a 10 foot pole of any uh, any type of situation where you're representing what is or isn't in documents that you have to admit you've never looked at. Right. I right. don't think you would How get within a 10 foot pole of that. And and yeah. so I think, you know, um, I certainly think Werner uh, uh uh, uh, deserves uh, uh, some uh, punishment because I can't imagine that Anne Kazmarek freewheeled all of this. Um, and I think, uh, you know, so it's hard to tease these things out and say who's who gets worse punishment than another, but it'll be interesting how the SJC handles this because if they send a signal that either it's okay to follow orders, even if you know they're wrong, or it's okay to give the orders, just even if we don't have the goods on you, uh, then we're sort of inviting a repeat here. So um, well, uh, I think the the Goldilocks uh, situation here would be to say that uh, a, a stiff punishment for all of them is just right. But, um, you know, we'll see. It, it definitely went higher than Werner. It goes higher than they, they were getting orders from the very top. Well, and they don't want to go there. They're, they're, kind of, they're, they're drawing the line at Werner. Martha Coakley was able to conclude in less than 24 hours that the Farrakh uh, allegation or any allegations re related to Farrakh um, were, were, were contained beyond that, right? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Within 24 hours, she knew the full extent of whatever revelations there were, which is not possible, right? It's no, not possible well, for a, a small law firm, let alone the, the sprawling AG's office, right. to come to that conclusion so quickly. And I think that that was, so if the question is, did this emanate from um, uh, General Coakley's uh, office on down, uh, uh, I would say um, very likely, uh, but unfortunately we never, we've never been able to look uh, under the hood and figure out actually who was involved at, at any level above Werner. You think Werner would make this kind of call by himself without getting his boss's thumbs up? I, I say, no way in hell, but uh, that's well, just my opinion. 
you know, one of the things that you see, and Chris probably sees it too, is that it's amazing how many unspoken agreements there are in this in this world. So yep. you don't always need to have a drafted, you know, notarized agreement to, to do something. Um, very, very often people intuitively know what somebody else wants them to do. Right. And, 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 and very often there's no discussion because the discussion itself would be problematic. So yeah. if you're doing something wrong, your boss might say, hey, I don't like what you're doing. But if you're doing something and your boss never complains and says, you know, keep up the good work, fight the good fight, you know that you're doing the right thing according to your boss. Yeah. So unfortunately, you you'll never be able to prove that. Um, but it's amazing, you know, and we're seeing this now with January 6th, where apparently all it took was a Trump tweet to get people motivated, but there wasn't anything more than that. Right. And so sometimes the 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 upper levels are merely uh, pro providing some form of encouragement, a tacit encouragement. And if you want a great example of what Elias and I are talking about, listen to the Richard Nixon tapes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, what was I going to say? I was, um, I can't remember now anyways. Yeah. So it, it's, um, there, there's still stuff happening in this case. Uh, it's still going and there's more to come that that's the crazy thing. This is not going to end anytime soon, which is nuts. And like you said, it's, this is about the foundation. Oh yes. What I was going to say, this is all still happening. This is all still happening. This is not. This has not ended with Annie Dukin and transferring the samples to the state police of all places. No, innocent people are still going to jail for drugs that they, you know, didn't actually possess. All of this stuff is still happening with the state police, and I would love for the state police to challenge me on that, and then I'd be like, "Cool, I'll come in and audit your lab, or or someone will go in and audit your lab." And we'll see. And also because and and you know how I also know it? The state police have broken the public records law, which is, you know, no big deal. It's just a law, but it's the public records law, which can be easily broken, apparently, by the uh, by the state. But the state police has defied a ruling by the secretary of state to hand over evidence to hand over emails between chemists and one of the notorious prosecutors from Norfolk County, Deb Curley. Who, um, who, who said that, who told Annie Dukin that she had a personal vendetta against one of the defendants that Dukin was testing drugs for, right? This is, the, this is the woman who, you know, called people morons, pieces of crap, all these kind of things, uh, told the chemist that these people were that. I asked for her emails with the state police chemists, and there's, they gave me like a hundred of them, which have the same kind of language but then they withheld 300 emails from my request and saying that it was Corey or something like, I think it was Corey that they were, you know, hiding behind. And the secretary of state's office ruled in my favor. And I haven't heard back from the state police. They refused to answer my emails and they refused to hand over the documents that the secretary of state has told them to. So they're essentially daring me to sue them but um, if if it didn't matter and there was nothing there, they would have just handed them over. Is my is my point? I know that this woman has told these chemists that you know other like why would she stop telling these people this? She called, she referred to herself as the debinator 
i.e. the Terminator. Like she is a huge reason that this stuff has, has gone on. And there's other prosecutors like her who talk to chemists this way because, you know, like some people are just like that. They're goofy. But when it comes to, but what these people are doing in their job is sending people to prison. So it, it's, it's still going on to this day that the relationships between these chemists and prosecutors has not changed. And the big shell game of this whole case is that, you know, it was the chemists who were testing this stuff and they weren't following protocols and blah, 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 blah. But no one really is talking about the fact that the prosecutors are basically goading them into it and telling them that these people are bad and, and saying that they're pieces of shit and they're a danger to, to society. And that, to bring, it, to bring it back to Ilias's point, like that is, you know, saying it without really saying it, like fucking convict these assholes and send the, and make sure they're, the, the tests come out the way we want them to come out because we're all on the same team. And then the chemists go into court and like, oh, I'm an independent chemist. I just test the evidence. I don't really care about the outcome. When if you actually looked, and I, I've been trying to get um, some of these defense attorneys to look at the emails of these chemists to see their bias, because there is ab absolute bias here. And if, you, and if defense attorneys who listen to our podcasts, you know, have interest, please, with your um, ability to kind of check behind the hood, look at these chemists emails and see what's what's there. And I guarantee you will find something. Well, you know, one thing that that occurred to me at some point, not too long ago, but certainly after we had done all the other episodes, but this one, um, that, you know, in, in the most of the scientific world, things are done on a on a double blind basis. Right. Um, and obviously here, you don't need to say double blind because, the, the, you know, the defendants don't have any visibility into the system. But right. from the chemist standpoint, the chemist does not need to know the name of the defendant or no. that it's actually a real case or what they're being charged with or anything. And I, I but I want to just emphasize what I mean by a real case, because one of the most powerful weapons that you could use in a drug lab would be to say, OK, the samples that come in are going to have a number one, two, three, four, five, whatever. OK, that number does not correspond to a. A, an open criminal case. You can't look it up. You can't find it. You can't know if it's real. And therefore, it could be also a, 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 a pop quiz, right? It could be mm -hmm. a, 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 an off-white piece of chalk that, that, that your boss put in an envelope to see if you're going to come back and say it's cocaine. And, and so if you don't know that it's a real sample, you don't know what you're supposed to say. And if you don't know who it belongs to, you don't know, you know, who you're making happy or unhappy. Right. And so there's a, a, a fundamental flaw of, of at least, and I don't know how the state police lab works, but certainly Hinton and Amherst were um, uh, un very unblinded to the point where, as, as you point out, Jamie, there's been this sort of uh, collegial uh, and maybe overly collegial relationship between prosecutors and chemists. And I used to sort of shrug that off because part of me, you know, is used to sort of real science uh, taking place uh, on occasion, but real science involves you not knowing. Correct. And so I think you've sort of hit the head, uh, uh, you know, and, and maybe we haven't get, um, focused enough on this very point that it's not that there's bias. Of course, that's a huge problem. It's because you have no process to prevent bias. 
Right. And therefore you can't even act surprised. Right. You can't act right. like, like when, when, um, what's his name? The, uh, Roger Goodell as arbitrator in a case involving the NFL, he was the arbitrator. Okay. <laughs> Did it surprise anybody that he upheld the, uh, the Tom Brady, um, uh, or, uh, uh, you know, uh, imposed the T Tom Brady suspension? Of course Does not. that surprise anybody? Yeah. You know, that's not even pretending to be uh, 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 impartial. That's like one of the guys who's 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 sitting at the table, uh, getting up and saying, "Here's my decision." So, so I think that that's what the 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 current configuration. And again, I, I I'd want to know a little bit more about the state police, but I believe they operate the same way. They do. You know who the you know the case number. You know who it is. You 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 have a telephone. There's a prosecutor at the other end of that telephone telling you stuff. That's very problematic if you're claiming real science. Absolutely. And by the way, Elias, they are they are the the state police have created a form to document all communications between chemists and prosecutors. There's a formal form to do this. I found it in one of my FOIAs. So the check fact, boxes, like exactly dirt, and, and, dirt bag, scumbag, yeah, scumbag, piece of shit, asshole, <laughs> you know, right. garbage. Like it, it's, it, it, it's amazing. And I've been, you're right. I have been screaming about this from the rooftops because you guys are lawyers. I am, I am not a scientist, but I have worked. I'm not a scientist, but I play one on TV. I've worked in the biotech industry for 20 years. I know, and I've worked in quality assurance for that time. I know what real scientists do and how they should be operating. And if you go in with a, any sort of bias, you're fucked. You're fucked right out of right out of the gate. You like you might as well just throw it all out. If you like, if you're working for a biotech company and you you know that the fate of the company rests on your test results. I think Elias, you've brought this up before, but this is a great point. Um, you know, of course you're going to fucking fudge the numbers, dude. Of course you're going to like make it make your tests seem like they're coming out rosy if the if the fate of your company resides on your test results. And if and if the fate of society resides on your test results, i.e. you're making your society less safe by you know coming up with a negative result for drugs for like a huge drug dealer that's out there that prosecutors are telling you is a terrible person then you're gonna you're gonna fudge those numbers you are because you know where you know you know where your job lies and if you know someone's like oh well sorry you know it was negative i know you wanted this guy to go to jail like what chemist do you think has the guts to do that to a prosecutor i i'd like to meet him because i haven't seen any yet Right. Well, it, you know, it is interesting. Pharmaceutical companies use uh, outside investigators. They use contract research organizations. Yeah. You know, there's, uh, they have generally, I believe, third party auditors. Mm -hmm. um, right. They have all these systems that they've uh, not willingly uh, uh, adopted. I think they've they've learned the hard way. And I've been involved in some of those cases where um, you can see sort of the, the thumb uh, on the scale. But even that is is very subtle and limited right. compared to what you can do 
in a lab when everybody on the lab is uh, sort of knows the, uh, what, what do they say, knows knows their assignment, right? Right, um, they know the knows drill. What the, what the outcome, desired outcome is. Uh, that is. That's very problematic. And I think the pharmaceutical industry has, you know, maybe not perfectly, but has worked um, pretty hard uh, to try to clean that up because because that taint uh, will kill your business, right? right. If you have if you, if people don't trust the drugs you sell, they're not going to buy them. Um, but you know, we're the taxpayer. We're paying for law enforcement, um, and and it's hard to conclude that there's anything trustworthy, uh, at least when drugs are involved, uh, unless something changes uh, big time. Well, dude, I mean, they gave it to the state police. The, the whole reason for having it, the Hinton lab and Amherst lab, was because they were the DPH. They weren't law enforcement. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. These guys were biased towards law enforcement. We'll give it to the state police. They won't be biased towards law enforcement. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, <laughs> and everyone, like, are we all just, it, it, are we morons? Or or do we want this to happen? That That's what, that's what I'm really, I, I can't figure out. Right. I, to quote Homer Simpson, it's not that people are not listening. It's just that they don't care. Right. Um, and I think that that's the real problem. Uh, right. That, you know, as long as drugs are involved, um, you know, I think you can get people more jazzed up about the uh, uh, state police or whoever uh, failing to calibrate their breathalyzers because right. everyone's like, well, that could be me. Right. That's right. I'm just one party away from getting pulled over for that. But drugs, have, we've always been able to sort of um, uh, um, paint uh, uh, with, a, with a very uh, uh, negative brush uh, anyone involved in drugs. And I think people don't feel like that could be any one of us. Right. Um, and as long as that's how we feel, just like with you know all these other issues like immigration, where we just sort of dehumanize the, the subjects, uh, and then we just shrug our shoulders and move on. So... If you can tolerate uh, uh, kids uh, in cages uh, at the border, um, then you probably can tolerate people spending time in prison for crimes they didn't commit. Well, dude, remember McGruff, the crime dog? Vaguely, yeah. Do you remember McGruff? I, I mean, I might be, I'm obviously dating myself. Chris, do you remember McGruff, the crime dog? Do you remember, yeah. Um, there was a, I, I watched a lot of TV as a kid, especially network TV, because my parents were too cheap to get cable. And they used to run those uh, advertisements. And there was a song, users are losers and, you, and losers are users. So don't use drugs. You know, like the, 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 the state has been telling us, you know, for years that you're a piece of shit if you use drugs. So who gives a shit about your constitutionally guaranteed rights if you ingest drugs? Like, think about that. That that's that's all it took. It's crazy. I mean, I'm not saying that McGruff is the result of you know the, the hint lab, but it it's been a steady drumbeat since I've been a kid, certainly, um, that we've been hearing about this shit. How you know people who use drugs basically don't deserve to live and and deserve to be locked in prison forever. And um, it, it comes with dire consequences, this kind of attitude. And um, people do care or should care when their cousin or their friend or whoever dies of an overdose uh, because we're spending all of our money investigating stupid labs, testing stupid drugs, and doing this stuff rather than just sending people to rehab, right? I guess that's my overall point. 
Well, to end on sort of a positive note, as a result of all this, um, now in Massachusetts, there's something called the Forensic Science Oversight Board. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but um, came out of a uh, 2018 piece of legislation and um, they're having uh, their first CLE summit uh, this coming Friday. So uh, hopefully going forward, uh, you know, all this junk science, people are more aware of it and are able to uh, call it out in criminal cases and uncover um, more and more government corruption. That's awesome. That's awesome. And hopefully it's a step in the right direction. You know, hopefully it's, it's real. So awesome. All right, guys. Great talking to you. Thank you for coming. And um, we'll be back soon. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Take care.